You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, an interview series with the world's most inspiring women in business. These are honest business conversations over a glass of wine to help you shortcut your success in business. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, three times founder, huge wine enthusiast, and always willing to share all of the gory business details to help you grow your business, no matter what that looks like to you. If you want more spark in your business, check out our membership spark 365 for daily business growth tips at sparkfoundersprogram.com. And a huge shout out to spark TV sponsor IP Australia for their amazing support of the spark podcast and women in business. Amazing, Avril. Welcome to Spark TV. Hello, Danielle. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. So, look, let's start out with telling everybody who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, my name is Avril Dargi. I am a driving instructor and an educator, a driving examiner, and former school leader and teacher. What I do is um, train and teach, really, and what I'm doing, my project at the moment, is to make sure that I've got all of my driving training content online so that parents, supervisors, um, students and driving instructors can all access that training to use in during the time that they're doing their 75 to 120 hours of practice Mm. so that we're embedding the correct habits and skills and so that um, supervisors are feeling safer. Yeah, and that's so you're doing that through um, an online platform that then these parents and educators and teachers and driving instructors will be able to access? Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. And so how's that been like to put together? <laughs> Tell us. Um, well, yeah, the, the, it's, a, it's a story. How, how many hours you got? So uh, all the hours together. for you. All Tell me. I want to know. I want to know. Okay. Well, you know, I'm getting older and I'm in my 40th year as a driving instructor. Wow. Awesome. So, um, yeah, the story is, you know, it's, it's a long and um, it's, it's a long one. I started when I was 19. And I was the youngest driving instructor, and that and that was at a time of fairly big social change. Mm. So it's a story of women at that time um, that I find, you know, uh, common, I guess, amongst us. Um, the average age for the first baby then was twenty one, and wow. I had my son at nineteen. I got married and had a, a child, and that wasn't uncommon for the time. But it was pre anti discrimination, just pre anti discrimination time. So, I worked in uh, retail fashion, and um, at that at that time, after having my son, I wanted to go back to work, but I couldn't get a job because I had to fess up that. I had a child and, you know, I was unemployable basically at that time. So, you know, it seemed like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it turned out to be in, you know, reflection on my life, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, We went on in Australia to have 10 years of zero birth rate. So, you know, I said it was 21 average age. Ten years later was 31 
the average age for the first baby. So it was a time of social change. Um, But I needed to look at a situation where I didn't look elsewhere for a job. I needed to find something. And I turned to my father, who'd been a driving instructor since 1962 in the UK, and we always laughed at him and um, made fun of him. So we'll never do something like that. And uh, I had to then turn to him and say, Dad, do you think I could be a driving instructor? Could you help me out with that? So I then went and did some training um, and he mentored me. We're still, he's 87. He worked till he was 82. We're still having professional conversations along the way. That's amazing. So, yeah, that was, um, you know, that's the story of me moving into a training um, environment and went on to do two degrees in um adult education and vocational education in the early um, 90s when the vocational uh, competency-based training was just coming into Australia and it was the outset of the certificate system that we've got now. Um, Then another degree to go on to teach in schools and um, be a a counsellor, school counsellor in schools. So that's kind of the journey that I've been on. I always stay current with my driving instruction. And last year, um, I I retired at the end of last year for a reason because in October I had an epiphany. (laughs) I know, as some people like to say, an epiphany. All the year 11s who are my favourite group, of course, because they're 16, 17, they're my people, I love them, um, they were coming to me saying, Miss, I'm I'm having a driving test next week. And I'll go, oh, that's fantastic. Tell me, tell me what's your first responsibility as a licence holder. Tell me what a hazard is. What system are you using on the approach to a hazard? Because we know in urban areas every 30 seconds you're managing a hazard. Um, and they had complete blanks. Every single one of them drew a blank, uh, and it, it brought all these this understanding to me that mm. that parents, supervisors were were, and that th- they had always told me that they felt um, unsafe in the environment that they were in, which is, and I absolutely understand that. They don't have dual controls. They don't use mirrors. You know, they're they're really out of control and in a moving and hazardous environment. They also worry that they're passing on bad habits. And I can tell you as a driving instructor that, yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just reflecting on my own learning to drive situation and I'm like, yes, there are a few bad habits passed on. (laughs) Yes, they are. And the driving lessons become sometimes not learning the correct way. It's undoing what's been done so that you can put that that Mm. foundation back in place, which is you know, unfortunate and it's costly as well, so that's not ideal. And also knowing the industry and um, the certificate for in driving instruction um, is leaving a big gap between um, uh, for work readiness for new instructors. And we have new inst- lots of new instructors coming into the industry and there's a gap in there around their own driving and often it doesn't even touch on teaching and learning in, in that environment so um so i realized in my epiphany one morning last october i woke up and went why 
haven't I done this because I could be helping lots of people by putting all of my content online, get it out there because there are barriers for other people accessing training, whether they live in regional areas, um, if, if there's financial barriers for them as well. Mm. Um, and this way, you know, that, that would be fantastic. So I talked to people in the education department. They were really keen. Avril, go do it. Because, you know, last year, as I said, with my year 11s, I ended up teaching on the whiteboard a lot of driving theory that had not been taught during um, the time with their parents or during their driving lessons. Mm. And I felt because I care and love them, I felt that these were country kids and country mm. kids get killed on country roads. Mm. Um, and, you know, there was something that I could do that might be able to help that situation. So there was a lot of conversation and still is about, okay, well, how do we bring this into schools? Uh, and that was put into, into place. Hopefully for next year we can take it to the next stage. But as I started looking through it, I realised that it was multifaceted and if you didn't bring all the stakeholders on board, then I wasn't really achieving the maximum benefit for the maximum number of people. Yeah. So bringing on the driving instructors and the parents, all the supervisors, and the learners, not just let's talk to the learners um, because the learners, you, when you're learning, you can only take on so much information and then you've got to transfer or at least have an argument with your parent about, you know. But Avril said do it this way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that really doesn't happen. It doesn't work and so those relationships are often very strained in the car, mm. understandably so. Yeah. So that was the beginning of this um, of this birth of my driving online and the, the in initiative that I'm um, putting forward at the moment. Hopefully my launch is in two weeks. Woohoo! Yeah, I know. It's like I, I was saying before, I'm in the middle of, I'm still in the middle of the hard part, you know, that last little bit at the end. Mm. Um, so... Yeah. What's, so, been the, what's been the biggest challenge for you building it out? Yes. Well, my biggest challenge, interestingly enough, when you do something and you know it like the back of your hand, um, is to is to find that and write it out and make sure it, it comes that learning comes out mm -hmm. in a different format. So it's not as simple as I'm, I'm going to put somebody in the car and I'll just teach them something. It needed, because there were different audiences, it needed to be um, put forward in a way that was an easy step-by-step, easy-to-follow process yeah. um, and very, very clear. So I think that was a big challenge for me, making sure, like I know my stuff backwards and I'm a teacher, I'm used to program writing, mm. but making sure I could bring that stuff to the surface because I've been doing it for so many years. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so embedded. 
Oh, totally. And even just the the process of sitting down and getting it out, like, you know, if you're more of a hands-on teacher, I find that too sometimes when people write books, you know, they know the content, but actually just sitting down and delivering it in a way where somebody will understand all like course creators yeah that idea of yeah you could just show up and speak about it for hours but actually sitting down and yeah stepping it out in a way that your many audiences will understand is super challenging yes yep it was it was extremely that's been that's been at least one challenge and really if i if i line that up against what the parents and supervisors tell me it's exactly the same thing because mm. their their driving has become so embedded. They our our processes become unconscious, mm. and that's why they find it so difficult to yes. unpack the steps that they take to get from A to B and give those directions and instructions in time, so that a learner who is taking that information on slowly can manage and follow those instructions in time before they crash the car. <laughs> so, you know, whereas when I'm when I'm teaching, I not only have all the controls, I can drive the car from my side if I want to, mm. I'm reading the road way ahead for hazards and can give those instructions in so much time that the learner has a chance to start building those habits so it's a yeah similar similar issue the other issue that i've had and although as a teacher i've had to deal with um uh, uh, technology and you know making and editing little videos and so on at different times of um of my career oh my gosh the technology and putting it all together and you know, the, everything that happens around it, like is this a different insurance that I need? Is this so I've had to call in people to help me, obviously, yeah. um, because it was too big, way too big a task for me yeah. to manage. And although I've done a lot of the footage, um, I've got educators working on lovely little videos and we know that learners can only manage like three-minute videos. If it's yeah. longer than three minutes, it's too much. Yes. So I've had to break it down, um, all the little aspects of the driving process and what they need to do to be safe. I've had to break it down and make it a very, very logical sequence um, so that they can take that on board. Yeah, and that's that's a really interesting point, though, uh, that you mentioned around it becoming kind of bigger than you expected and having to call mm -hmm. in the experts. Um, I think that's really interesting. A lot of times as business owners, we just think we're solving a problem. You know, we just know that we have the expertise to solve a problem and you know what, there could be a business model that we can wrap around that, which is always good. Uh, but you're right. Sometimes it does get a little out of control and depending on what industry you're in, you do need to leverage <clears throat> people that are in your network or outside of your network to yep. bring that expertise in and make sure that you're doing everything the right way. And that yes. extends not only from the business you're in, but business in general, right? Like not all of us mm -hmm. are accountants or lawyers or anything and know any of that side. So, you know, bringing in experts, I think whilst maybe we don't expect it in the, in the beginning, I actually think that that is one of the, you know, important parts of business is to understand where your gaps are and, and bring yes. in people that can help. Absolutely. And there were plenty of gaps. 
Always are, though. Yeah, I've got my expertise and, you know, I just, uh, you know, I was juggling so many things and I was, I'm happy to use, I know what my strengths are, I'm happy to use my strengths and um, I was then very happy to bring other people on. And I guess the the other challenge of that is that it's completely self-funded. Yeah. That has been, um, you know, a massive drain because this has not been... um, a cheap process by any means and there's lots of things that I didn't necessarily foresee but it felt like a baby that needed to be born yeah. and I was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that it reached the people that I believe that it will be very helpful to mm. yeah and the industry yeah. I've taken it to industry I've taken it you know run it with students and they're certainly on board and see the benefit, see the benefit to themselves. So, um, yeah, well, and that's, that's how it can make a difference. Yeah, and it's interesting that validation of the industry and mm. learners and, and potential future customers mm. essentially um, kind of makes you feel a little bit better about spending the money when you are self-funding it. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And at, at the end of the day... If something that I've done, like I, I'm, I'm nearly sixty. I'm in my fortieth year in the industry. If if I've done something that at the end of the day will ensure that someone lives, you know, as a result of putting putting what they've learned in the training, because they're not only it's all of the the tips and tricks for the supervisors um so my first i'm marketing to um supervisors and parents first up because if they can use that 75 to 120 hours in real learning that is going to provide them with a system for safe driving then i know that those young people are going to go on or anyone who takes it on are going to go on to be safer drivers because we know safe you you know a safe driver everyone likes to think that they drive really well and they'll tell you they drive really well then they'll tell you they had a near miss mm. it was a near miss and that person and it's always somebody else's fault mm. and as I say to my learner drivers good driver they don't have near misses because they're provide they're using a system mm. to ensure that they're always at the right place, at the right speed, mm. and to navigate every single hazard. And we are only ever as good as our last decision. Yeah. Right? Well, that, seems like a, that seems like a metaphor for life as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we mm. try to get that through. And if I can get that through to more young people before they go on the road and parents. So, you know, parents are also getting the benefit of that instruction as well and that system that they may not have looked at at all, like my year 11s. They may have been introduced to it, which I'm sure they were, but it wasn't embedded in their learning. So we want that unconscious driving habit to be in place. You know, if you lined up a school of kids and said, okay, well, you know, let's look at the road toll, Um, all the kids on the oval, bring your parents. Um, Now, we're going to sacrifice a couple of these kids to the, you know, the great god of, 
you know, road crashes. Yeah. Which one, you know, which one should, mm. should go? Well, none. None should go. Mm. So we want zero, you know, and the the 19-year-old, um, 19 to 25-year-old age group is actually faring very well in the in the um, road toll at the moment. In comparison to what they have in the past, they're actually leading the way. But can they ever fare well if there's anyone, you know, the, everyone's life is valuable? Yes. So, and the, interestingly enough, to the, the 40 to 49 age group is actually leading the way in crashes. Oh, wow, really? Mm, yeah. Mm. So it's a 40 to 49-year age group that is, um, that's my target audience at the moment. Mm. Yeah, and you know, back in the you know in the nineteen when I first became a driving instructor, it was really the wild west in yeah. Australia. It's like if you can get a car moving and drive it, you can drive. Mm. And they'd ring up and go, "They just need some parking," and then they're off. <laughs> and you go, "Oh no!" And the road pole was oh. terrible. But I, feel, I kind of feel like that was my experience. Nobody <laughs> expected me to pass my driving test, and I did. I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> That's oh, not dear. great, is it? Hopefully I've improved since then, I'm sure, with practice. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Experience um, does help us. Yes. Yeah. But it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's it's something that it's such an important thing that we do at a time in our life that never gets really revisited and, you know, it's just this little blip on the radar that happens. But you're right, it's something that we do as adults every day and we're it's serious. We are putting other people and our own and our families' lives at risk. I'm, yeah. You know, it's one of those things you kind of look at a business that you're creating and go, why has nobody done this before? <laughs> That's kind of what I thought to myself. I thought, why haven't I done this before? You know, mm. I'm an educator. I've got all the the tools, but it was my my beautiful year 11s that Mm. just woke me up and it was an overnight thing. I obviously went to sleep thinking about, I wasn't thinking about this particular, it was just this is a problem. Mm. Here's a problem. There's a problem. That's a problem. And I was concerned about it and I went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and it was almost the whole thing was formulated for me and I thought, why haven't I done this? before it was like it was just waiting to be born and I resigned from the department at the end of the year after talking you know to people in the department the education Mm. department it went Avril why haven't you done this before yeah wow so what's next for you so we're launching in a couple of weeks what is what is the next step for you marketing Um, you mentioned reaching out to um, a couple of the different groups what's going to be the next priority for you well, the the marketing plan is already in place. Like I said, I have I have um, reached out to the the people who know their stuff, <laughs> and um, that's all that's all in place, ready to go. Um, I'm working in partnership um, in partnership with a, a um, an organisation that's a charity called Get Home Safe um, oh, cool. to, to put a uh, um, curriculum around it and change it slightly for schools mm. um, and get home safe and 
my organisation will work together to present it to schools. We'll do a pilot term one next year. And then um, there are ministers who are very interested in looking at driver education in schools. So because of my teacher background, I can put a unit around it so that students oh. can gain points towards their education certificate. Oh, that's smart. Awesome. Yeah. And that's what the conversations were last year when I was leaving. Like I said, it morphed into something that I feel needed um, to happen because I mentor a lot of new instructors and their experience, they're just, you know, I'm at a meeting next week, there's 50 of them, and their experience is that they do this course, this certificate for, they get handed a certificate and say, oh, well, you're now a driving instructor, and then they're thrown into the world mm. in isolation. Mm. They work in isolation. There's no, um, whereas, you know, my, in my world, I, I I had access to my dad and, and peer um, mm. learning and I would go um, as a teacher, I would mentor and I'd also do peer learning. I'd sit in the back of cars with instructors as well. And there's never a time that I haven't been in a peer learning mentoring situation that I haven't picked up something from the person that I'm supposedly you know, um, mentoring, but mm. I haven't picked up something from them. It's always when you teach someone, it's always a two-way street. Yeah. So the, these instructors are very, very keen to get it on board. And I think if their students are also using it, they can use it to um, supplement the learning that they're teaching. And some of them are just hanging out because they've got, they've had no um they've had no instruction on how to teach or learn. They're coming to me going, all right, now I've got some driving skills because their driving skills weren't touched either. So if you can't if you can't drive to a learner standard, you can't possibly teach to that standard and they're not getting that good oil and they're having to come afterwards and get that up to speed. So, yeah, I'm... I guess that's what's next for them. I'm hoping that they can all work together and um, take something from it whilst they need to. Um, yeah. So it's a professional development for driving instructors. Mm. That is so amazing. I love it. I um, can't wait. I was just thinking, I was like, I can't wait to do this all again in like 12 months and see how it all went. I just think this is just such an important idea and you are doing it from a place of, you know, so much experience, leveraging technology to get this information in the hands of people and bring together the people that need to be brought together. Again, shocked that it doesn't exist. So I just am so, yeah, I'm so, um, I don't know what the word is, amazed. You're incredible. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh. Thank you, and I'm yeah, incredible. I've, I've got a lot of a lot of help around me now that I needed that I hadn't you know envisaged that I would need. But yeah. I have a great women's network, and um, yeah, people have come out of the out of the woodwork and um, you know keep me on track. That's a so range of, a range of things. Everything I need help for, they're they're there. 
Oh, that is awesome. And I love that about women's networks, right? You know, we we often as women in business or business owners, we are a little isolated and a little crazy that we think we can change the world. And so it's so amazing when we do have other women come together to support us. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, so, yes, I, do. I still have moments of imposter syndrome. You think, mm. what? And then I look at it and think, what are you talking about? You know, where did that come from? And often that is from, as you said, working in isolation. Mm. Yeah. And you, it's you've, hard. Got to a, yeah, you've got to get a really strong mindset mm. and knowing that there's also going to be a lot of negativity coming back and yeah. knowing and getting a not a positive mindset, just grounding yourself and understanding that what you're doing is um is right for you and the the people you, that you're there to serve and just sit with it run yeah. with it yeah it's um but it's not easy but everyone i think um doing this sort of thing will experience those those difficulties at some point absolutely and it's um unfortunate but <laughs> it's true and i think i made that comment before we started recording i was like i don't know when it does get easy you know it's sort of i i know personally every milestone i reach something there's a new challenge to overcome or a new thought that pops into my mind i think yeah you like you said where did that come from like i've been doing this for over a decade where did that come from you know yeah. so yeah. Yeah, yeah it's you're so right grant that and I like what you said too as it doesn't have to be a positive mindset I think sometimes we we see all of the Instagram memes (laughs) and it's like uh no some days are just shit (laughs) and we do so I love that you said actually it's more of a grounding mindset you know and really look about you know think about why this is right for you and how you're impacting the people and the community that you serve I think that's awesome Mm, yeah now we could talk all day but the last question for you (laughs) so reflecting on your time building this business what would be a piece of advice that you would give another female founder or woman in business um who is also on this journey Mm -hmm. okay I would say um Surround yourself with people who love your idea and want to work alongside you. Get some help. If you need help, seek help. Mm. Uh, Don't do it in isolation because that's going to be a pretty rough road. And I would also say you don't need to know everything, that know your strengths and you you don't need to beat yourself up about your weaknesses because your weaknesses are somebody else's strengths. And so leverage everyone's strengths if if wherever possible. I love that. You are so right. I um I know there's oftentimes we, you know, as women in business, whether we live in a city, whether we live regionally, um, you know, wherever we're located, whatever kind of industry we're in, sometimes we do fall into that trap of of isolation and, and feeling alone. But I think, you know, like this, right? You and I are worlds apart and we can jump on video and share our experiences. And I think we're so lucky that we live in a time where there's other women out there who just want to help other women succeed. Yeah, yeah. And I love this, Danielle, and thank you for the opportunity to have this chat with you. It's fantastic. (laughs) 
Oh, no, I'm so impressed by what you are building. And as I said, uh, in 12 months, we're doing this again. I want to hear all of the updates. Um, it's incredible. So thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom with the Spark community. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Danielle. That wraps another episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. I hope there was something in there that you needed today to help you on your business journey. We would absolutely love it if you subscribed and leave a review. This helps the Spark podcast find its way to other amazing women in business. If you want to hang out with us even more, join Spark 365 and you'll have me show up in your inbox every damn day with a business growth tip. Check it out at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Shout out to Spark TV sponsor IP Australia for their amazing support of the Spark podcast and women in business. And if no one tells you today, you've got this.